Hello and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, online producer here at NMA, and this week I'm joined by Wealth Matters director Julian Gilbert for a special episode which looks at what it's like to run a business with severe illness. Hi Julian, how are you? Very good today, thank you. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Julian, for anyone at home who hasn't read about your story, could you just run us through what happened to you, starting from the beginning? Okay, so I'll do a, uh, a shortened version of uh, what happened. So basically, um, before I was diagnosed, I was, I was really fit and healthy. I was um, cycling through the Alps about six months before I was diagnosed. Fittest I'd ever been in my life, 48 years old, and you know, don't smoke and in a good state of health generally. Um, got to Christmas 2016, had a bit of a tickle in my throat was uh, a bit worried about it, so I escalated it, didn't think much of it, went into hospital and the consultant told me, much to my shock and surprise, mm. that I um, probably had throat cancer. That was confirmed um, through MRIs and um, a biopsy. Um, and then I started treatment. I, had, I luckily didn't have to have chemotherapy because they caught it quite early. Okay. But I, um, I started radiotherapy and had very intensive radiotherapy through February and March um, in 2017. Um, and then I basically had a long time recuperating through pretty much the whole of 2017. Mm. Um, was given the all clear in July of, of 2017, which was fantastic, but I was still really recuperating and quite weak. Yeah, you're sort of drained. Yeah, pretty dry. And yeah, radiotherapy can whack you out for about a year. It, it kind of damages your energy levels, yeah. damages your self-motivation. Um, and it was the first time in my life I'd rather, you know, I, I now understand how people, where they have mental problems or emotional problems and they, they struggle to deal with that or depression. I wouldn't, I would never say I actually had depression, but I did actually find it quite difficult to get out of bed and actually get, get mm. myself up and running for the day. So that was actually quite a different perspective that let me see how maybe other people are feeling that you might not actually necessarily realise just by okay. looking at them. Um, but luckily the radiotherapy um, treatment, the, the, the side effects of that in terms of the, the mental side, the emotional side, by about November, that seemed to go. I actually went off to Australia to watch the ashes and in spite of the defeats being quite painful, <laughs> the actual holiday and catching up with friends, English and Australian, seemed to almost sort of bookend my yeah. health issues. And then when I came back from that, I was quite energised. Yeah. Uh, so it was a marker in the sand? Marker in the sand, and yeah, I, th I think almost I could say, well, that was, that was the end of my, my bad year, and now, you know, I've got the old clear. I'm starting to get a bit more healthy, a bit more energetic. You know, let's move on with my life and enjoy the rest of it. I felt like I'd, it was, you know, I'd skipped a bullet, really, to a large extent. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've been given a, a bonus 30 or 40 years on the planet, so let's enjoy them. Yeah, okay. What was your first thought when you received that diagnosis? Because obviously, you know, as a director of a business, you've got an enormous amount of responsibility, you know, let alone things like you know, having a family and yeah. friends and, and colleagues, etc. What, what was going through your head? Okay, well, my first thought wasn't my business. My first thought was, am I going to see my children grow up? Am yeah. I going to be there for my wife and my family? How are they yeah. going to um, survive? Am I going to survive? Um, what's going to happen? Um, luckily, as I say, the, the diagnosis was quite optimistic right from the start. So the consultant, when he broke the news to me, he said, look, I know it does. It sounds awful, but it is treatable. So mm. there was always an optimism that I was gonna survive. When I was saw my uh, oncologist before treatment, he gave me survival rates and that's it. So he said, you're 80%, which he thought was great, because if I smoked, it'd be about 35%. Okay. I didn't think it sounded so great um, because ultimately, you know, that's a one in five chance of not being alive in five years' time. Yeah. But to go back to your, your sort of point about the actual business itself, yeah. Um, so I got um, 
sort of verbally diagnosed and then sort of had a couple of MRIs and a couple of tests after that. In terms of what I did with the business, I basically, I had two key staff members and I told them pretty much straight away okay. what was almost definitely going to happen. So my thought was be honest with people. Yeah. And so I was honest with them as I could. I didn't tell any of the other staff because we didn't know for sure. We had to have actually, a, I had to be off work for a week, have a biopsy, have my tonsil taken out where the cancer was. Yeah. And it was only when that was diagnosed, ironically enough, on Friday the 13th of January um, that uh, I knew what was the case. So that was the Friday. On the Monday, I came into the office. I had a staff meeting. I told all the staff exactly what was happening. Um, and I can't say it was great, but you know that was the mid-January. I wasn't starting my treatment until mid-February. I didn't actually have to really stop work until the end of February. So it did actually give me about six weeks to, I suppose, what you might say, put your ducks in line okay. and work out what will be the best strategy because uh, I am the MD of the business, it was effectively my business and yeah. work out how commercially we could deal with that whilst you know going through a pretty invasive treatment. We profiled you in our magazine uh, last year, I believe. Uh, my colleague at the time, Leanne, wrote that article. Yeah. And uh, I remember something very specific from that article, which was that she uh, talked to you about how the business didn't have a kind of an emergency contingency plan for the sort of... Um, out of action status of someone really, really key. Mm. Um, what was it like to put your ducks in order, as you say? Was it sort of very difficult thing to uh, reorganize the business or what did you have to do? Um, I think really a, a key to a good business is having good people around you. So if a business is entirely dependent on one person um, to make all the decisions and make all the actions, then it's probably not the best business. Um, mm. So luckily enough, I've got you know, all my staff were absolutely fantastic yeah. and they all pulled through and worked really hard for me. I had some more senior staff that would, you know, do what it takes as it were, go the extra mile, put the extra hours in if necessary. And so my the, the two people that really I relied on the most was uh, my colleague Bruce Nash, who's now a partner in the business, okay. um, post-treatment, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so we've become closer because of that relationship and because of the situation. And my office manager, um, Viv Ashworth, she really um, sort of you know make sure the ship's running, but th th that's not to say everyone else wasn't wasn't doing doing their very best. Cool. So yeah, there was no emergency plan, and the thing is, even if you have an emergency plan, I think it's a bit like saying you know when people go into battle in a war, yeah. you know every battle plan gets ruined within about ten minutes of the yeah. action starting. No contact survives first contact with the enemy. No exactly. plan survives first contact with the enemy. So in terms of the plan we did, we, you know, I thought, well, if I need to be honest with my staff, I need to be honest with my clients. So with, within a week of me telling the staff what happened, I'd sent an email out to clients. Mm. Some of those clients were close friends or family, so I actually emailed them privately first to tell them what I was about to announce. Okay. Um, then I announced to all the staff, um, I didn't come here fully prepared, but actually before I came in today, I did actually read through that email and uh, it made me kind of, you know, realise it almost seems like a different world now, to be honest. Okay. Um, but I had um, about 70 responses from, from clients, very supportive, very caring. Um, so in terms of what we actually did, shall I talk through sort of the action yeah. plan? Or what By all did? means, go for it. Okay. So be honest, clear communication. I think that's that's the important thing. Let everyone know what's going on so that the people aren't phoning up you know, on the middle of treatment, wondering why I'm not answering the phone or not responding. Or because they've heard something from someone else or sort of hearsay or gossip, Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, financial service does sometimes get a bad press. I think nowadays it's much more open and honest industry than it was. And I think in all business, if you're honest with people, tell them the truth, 
you'll actually be more successful than trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes because most of the time they can see through it okay. in any case. So we told all the clients what's happening. Um, you know, I, I, I have a group of clients and they're really serviced by three people, not just myself. So I do some of the work. I probably do the glory stuff face to face, but my power planner does a lot of the real legwork writing reports. So he was going to be there all the way through the process and he was supporting me. And I had my um, administrator, Christine, so she was there supporting me and she did a lot of the days with clients and she did a lot of work with clients, mm. you know, changing address, direct debits. So the email explained that basically those people were still there. Mm. And we said in terms of the advice, you know, th there's two options. You can obviously hold back for a while if you so wish, um, because I can't hang around, but there are also advisors at the practice. So if you need your annual review, we will do it. If you need advice, um, we gave the names of two advisors that they could seek advice from. So Bruce and Joanne uh, Scott, two of the advisor practice basically, you know, looked after my clients as well as their own clients. So I have to be very grateful for the support I had from them mm. through that process. And in most cases, most clients were quite happy with that. Most clients, you know, I, I think all advisors have a, have a good relationship with the clients. There's certainly trust. You might not necessarily call them friends, but I actually realized that actually during my treatment, what amazing people they are. And really, one of the things I learned through this process, you know, you read the news and everyone seems like a pretty awful person in the world. But in reality, most people are actually really decent people. Most people yeah. are really kind and really supportive of someone they know, even if they're not close friends, but where they know through a work relationship. And so most people were amazingly supportive of me and, you know, tried to, tried to give me and the business time and space mm. to carry on. But we wanted to give an, an impression to, the com to our clients and to the outside world that everything was still pressing ahead because you know there are 11 staff and there's one staff member off ill so you know there are 10 people there to muck in so mm. we, that was quite important to remember i'm not saying everything was perfect through the process because it probably wasn't perfect for the company and nothing's perfect yeah and it wasn't perfect for clients but it wasn't a disaster either there was very few problems and again that's largely because the people in the background helping um, in my office, you know, the mm. staff really helping make sure the company was still functioning effectively. Mm. And while all this was going on and everyone was mucking in on your behalf, mm -hmm. um, you, were, you were at home, um, is that correct? Yeah, so what I did was really from the moment I was diagnosed through to the start of treatment, I was really in and out of the office. You, you, the thing is when you have a serious illness like this, you, can, you suddenly you completely out of control of your diary. So when you're, when you're in business or when you're working, um, uh, doing your job, you know kind of what your Monday to Friday is. You know when you can do work, you know when you might be working late, you know um, when you might be able to go early to, to go to the gym or fit in your whole social life as well. You've got no control once you diagnose this because you're told, right, you've got to go and see the doctor Wednesday, you've got to go Friday, you've got to be off for a week for an op and then recuperate. So mm. you're completely out of control. Um, so you have to try and work out some sort of structure within that and it's very difficult. So what you did is, is when you were free, you, you did what you could do. It, it was a very difficult time to really sort of control your diary. But as I say, we, we did as best we could to get our ducks in line mm. so that when we started treatment, um, we could work. So in terms of uh, sort of the work we did, I worked, I suppose, ad hoc and when I could from the start of January through till the end of February. The, the, they, they call the first two weeks of treatment um, radiotherapy the honeymoon period. I'm not sure it's a particularly the best description to describe radiotherapy, <laughs> but the point behind it is you can more or less carry on with your everyday life. So okay. I, I had enough energy to at least work part-time. Okay. Then on about week three of treatment, um, that was it. I was too ill um, to okay. do any work, and that was the point at which I said, look, guys, I've got to step back. 
So basically from pretty much March through to I'd say pretty much the end of May, I almost did nothing. So about the only things I did was I checked some emails, I did some emails. I didn't wanna just do nothing because I'm running a business and to be honest, that would almost make me feel like I wasn't existing. So mm. for me, it was nice to do some emails, just some chitty chatty stuff with clients or with staff or whatever. And my colleague Bruce actually came to my office every week, brought, gave me an update on the business, told me what's happening. Mm. And I have to be honest, this is true. He always bought me new model advisor and I read that while oh. I was recuperating as well. So there you go, well, you helped me through it all, Lolly. <laughs> you're entirely welcome. Uh, I wasn't on the anime desk at the time, but you are on behalf of anime, uh, you're entirely welcome. Um, what kind of things have been added to your kind of business plans now? You've had this period of incredible yeah. upheaval. Mm -hmm. um, looking to the future, what are the things that you want to achieve with Wealth Matters? Okay, well, before I was diagnosed with my illness, I already had a sort of a business plan in place to try and adjust things. I, I came to the conclusion that actually I was dealing with a lot of clients mm. and running the business, and I probably was, you know, juggling too many balls in the air. And although everything got caught, it was just meant that, you know, you would sort of occasionally fly by the seat suit plants in order to catch those balls. So I'd already realised that, and then obviously the illness made that very crystal clear that things had to change. So one of the key things I did was I brought in my head of power planning, um, Esther Walker. She was a fantastic power planner, and I sort of said to her, would you like to start giving some advice? And uh, mm. we worked through that process, and now she's a fantastic advisor, and uh, she's actually starting to look after some of my clients. Okay. Um, one of the other advisors, Joanne Scott, took away some of my clients as well. So I handed a lot of my clients over to, um, to them. That was quite a difficult process because I'd built very close relationships with those people. I got to know them very well, and um, it was almost like um, breaking relationships, almost like dumping a partner yeah, yeah, to an extent, but I didn't want to dump them because I like them and they like me. Yeah, yeah. But you had to be realistic about what your priorities in life were. Okay. These people wanted to grow and develop. These were very good clients. I trusted the, um, the people implicitly that would give very good advice. And I needed to spend time on the business and work with a smaller group of clients that made that my, my, my balance um, in the office, correct. And also, I changed my work life, I was trying to change my work life balance a bit, free up some more of my time, because I realized when I was ill, what, although I love my job and I love working, and I love working with staff and clients, I also really love my family, yeah. um, and I love the friends, and I love doing like social stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I wanted to make sure I made time to walk my dog every day. Mm. One of the things I have changed is we have a new member of staff called Toby. He's my dog and he comes into the office about once a week. And that probably culturally is a change in my outlook on life. Mm. Um, and That's interesting. You know, the reason I brought him in was because it, the vibe in the day he's in the office is different. So I usually meet him on a Friday, which is the last day of work. We actually finish at three o'clock on a Friday in our office so everyone can get off early for the weekend, which people really appreciate. Mm. Um, and he often comes in on a Friday now. Um, I would say that productivity probably is slightly worse when he's around because he <laughs> distracts people. Sure. My idea was he's going to sit in my office in the corner in his bed and be well behaved. His idea is to actually walk around, nick all the food and basically distract all the staff members and they all think he's really cute and cuddle him. But whatever the productivity goes down by, morale goes up by. Absolutely. So in balance, I think it's worked out pretty worked well. Out, okay. No plans to make him an advisor at any point? 
Um, well, he's pretty strong on inheritance tax planning, but uh, <laughs> yeah, his pension knowledge isn't so good. So okay. I'm probably just going to stick with him as a morale booster in the office, I think. Okay. And has the advice that you give to your clients uh, changed in any way? Do you place greater emphasis on, you know, living life now? I mean, I'm, I'm sure as a, a financial advisor you, and a proper financial planner before you were saying, well, this is to clients, this is all about what you want for your life, etc. Has that, has that come even more to the fore since your diagnosis and being in remission? I think I think perhaps it has. It's uh, you know I've always sort of had this with clients anyway. I'm sure all advisors do. It's like you know it's actually it's not actually when you're going to retire and what university life is actually what do you you know when I say to my clients I don't say when do you want to retire. I say when do you look for financial independence. Financial independence is when you've built up enough money to do what you want yeah. with your life. And many of my clients, some of the clients I'm seeing today at the cricket, they're actually. They're financially independent, but they're still doing a bit of work because they enjoy it. You okay. know, it's, it's intellectually challenging for them. They're doing some consultancy work. So I've always believed that anyway. But to go back to your question, I think really what it has done for me now is it's given me a much clearer vision about that and a much clearer vision about why that is so important. So see, mm. when I'm speaking with clients now, I really am speaking from the heart. Yeah. They know that because they all know what I've been through. Mm. Um, and it has actually helped sort of focus their their minds a bit and uh, it you know we only have one life on this planet and you want to enjoy it to the max so it's very easy to be slogging your guts out in your 40s and 50s and thinking well you know when I'm 60 or 70 maybe I can do all the things I want to do well maybe we need to think about trying to do some of that now because there's no guarantees how long you can live for and to be honest when you get to those ages are you going to have the energies to go off skiing or whatever it is you want to do maybe you haven't got that capacity. So I, it has made me think about life a little bit more. Um, but you can have a busy life, but I think if you can make time for great experiences, mm. I think that's great. So um, after this uh, interview today, you're a 10 minute walk from the Oval and I'm taking um, six clients, one of my colleagues to watch the cricket for the day in Australia. And that's just gonna be a lot of fun. It's kind of work, because we're building relationships with, with clients. Yeah. But um, it's a lot of fun as well. And we're doing a lot more of that now as well. We now do a winter meal with, with clients and we do a summer meal with clients. And kind of the unwritten rule is we don't talk shop um, okay. and we just have fun together and we enjoy each other's company. Um, and people enjoy talking to each other. Clients enjoy meeting each other. So it's a lot of fun. And that's for me is, you know, it's part of the relationship purpose of being a financial advisor, yeah. but it's also, it's, it's just trying to make the job and life more fun. And, uh, you know, we should all try and enjoy life, I think. Agree, agree. Um, Julian, congratulations on your recovery. Uh, it must be such a relief to be back in the saddle and, and thriving in the way that you are. Um, I'm afraid to say that's all that we've got time for this week, but thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great pleasure to hear your story, and thanks again for sharing it with us. Um, just finally, if you haven't already subscribed to the NMA podcast, please do. You could do so on iTunes or any podcast platform of your choice. And if you like what we do, please do leave us a lovely review. That's all for this week. Goodbye and see you again soon.